Welcome to Teaching Brood. Today, we're going to be talking about a book that we've been reading, which is pretty interesting. It's called Classroom Management in the Digital Age. Classroom Management in the Digital Age is authored by Heather Dowd and Patrick Green. Heather is a teacher, educational technology coach, science enthusiast, and learning. And she is based out of the United States right now, but she was a teacher in Singapore for many years. And her co-author, Patrick Green, is an educational technology coordinator and site director for the Global Online Academy for the Singapore American School. So one of the fears that I know a lot of teachers that I've talked to have is kind of comes back to the whole discipline thing. And it's that part of like, well, if I give them a device, they're going to be doing naughty things on it all day. Like, how do you, what, what would you say to somebody that's got that feeling? Well, first I would listen. Um, that is something that we did with our teachers. I think it was the year before we rolled out the one-to-one. We had kind of a hopes and fears activity that we did with everyone and we collected, you know, what were their fears and then what were their hopes. And um, so I think that was step one, was just giving people voice to, to voice it. Um, and interestingly, a couple of years into our one-to-one program, I went back to that document. I found it in my drive and opened it up and it kind of made me chuckle because so much of what was on there did not happen. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was really interesting. Uh, so I think that's step one. And, um, and then the next step is just really preparing people with some classroom management skills. We, we did a workshop with our staff in a PD meeting, um, modeling some classroom management strategies. We put together a like a one-page document that we shared with everybody that they could, you know, easily go to. Kind of a one-page of our book, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and then and then had people share along the way. You know, as we got started, having people share what was working in their classrooms, um, and also reminding teachers that they are the ones that are in charge in in the room and empowering them you know, with, with those skills that they need. And also reminding them that students misbehaved before technology as well. <laughs> right. Um, yes, yes, they did. So, <laughs> um, yes, and, I remember what I did to my teachers in high school. And that was one of the reasons <laughs> I didn't want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the beginning too, we were pretty explicit about having uh, common strategies where, you know, as time goes on, I think people develop their own but in the beginning, I think people appreciated being told, well, here's how we're going to gain the attention of our students. So, so for us at the time, we were using 45-year screens. And so uh, that was what we would say as our signal. And all students, you know, because they were hearing it in multiple classes, as soon as a teacher would ask students to 45 their screens, they'd, they'd tilt their screen down and make eye contact with the teacher. And um, to have that kind of just permeating throughout you know, the school day and in classrooms, people, I think, grabbed on to those common strategies and then were very empowered to kind of move beyond that once they saw how well some of those things were working. Right. We, we also emphasized um, use the right tool for the job. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be with the laptop out. 
And I think that was a, a common misunderstanding at the very beginning was we have these devices, they need to be open the entire day, the entire class period. Um, and so we, we really emphasize, no, that's not the way, that's not what one-to-one -one means. One-to-one -one means you now have this fantastic tool at your fingertips to do really awesome things. Um, but if the learning objective for that particular activity is, is better done on a piece of paper, it's okay to use a piece of paper. So mm. I think empowering the teachers to know that I can have my students close their device and put it away sometimes. It doesn't yeah. have to be open. So in other words, emphasizing that it's not the savior of your world. <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of idea, right? Yes, exactly. It's not. It's pretty cool, but it's and, not going to fix everything. Right? And then I think over time, Heather and I kind of established our own, uh, you know, guides for what to consider when you're trying to choose between digital and analog, um, you know, as we worked with people. But I mean, Heather's point is very uh, uh, simply stated. Uh, but then as teachers would struggle with kind of, well, well, when should I and when shouldn't I use, we, we came up with this idea of first looking at the efficiency, you know, is it going to be uh, more time efficient to do it with technology or not? And if you're going to be able to teach the concept in one day uh, on paper and it would take four days to do this big technology project and they're still going to come out with the same learning target, maybe you just want to do the paper-based one-day version. Uh, another uh, component would be the learning impact and does the technology actually uh, increase the learning in, uh, in any way? Does it allow students to go deeper? And then transferability. Does, it, does using the tool, uh, whatever it is, whether it's a podcast recording tool or a video editing tool or uh, whatever it might be, uh, does it give uh, students opportunity to practice things that are, that are going to be transferable beyond that particular subject area? Mm. Um, and so those were kind of our three things that we came up with of this is how you could decide whether to use digital tools or analog tools. Let's talk about the classroom. And like you, you guys put out a lot of good strategies for using within the classroom, um, within the book. And I was just kind of wondering, like, there's a couple things in there. You have um, about making visual aids and having stuff up on the walls, getting kids' attention, things like that. Can you talk about a few of the strategies and the tips that you've got? Yeah, um, I think the, 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 main, the, the umbrella one, the overarching strategy would be that um, students know what's expected and because if students know what's expected of them there's less confusion and most of our students are going to do what's expected of them and so really being intentional and clear if we were to come up with an overarching theme uh, would be that teachers are intentional and they and students know what's expected of them and how to do things that they're going to be asked to do in the classroom. So, so then, uh, I, I would say stemming from that, like one of the things that we do uh, encourage teachers to do is have kind of a poster campaign in their classroom for processes and expectations so that um, there are visual cues for students. Uh, one, one big one that we, we emphasize is this idea of students 
being able to answer their own questions or help each other out, that the teacher doesn't have to uh, know everything or be the only one who could, who could help another student. And so for us, we called that Ask Three Before Me. I've got a poster was, in my room. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, and the, just, just that, and is that a strategy? Is that a mindset? Well, I think it's a mindset that the teacher doesn't know everything. They're not the only person who knows stuff. Um, and then just kind of getting that to be a part of the culture of your classroom, um, that, that students can ask one another and that there are other experts, uh, willing and able to help each other. So emphasizing the push on like the, the teacher leader or the, sorry, the student leader, the student empowerment. Absolutely. I mean, and I, yeah, and again, I don't know if that's a strategy or a mindset, but, um, I think whatever you want to label it. We, we believe that that's, that's really important in a, in a connected classroom um, because the teacher is going to continue to coach and guide and facilitate learning for however many students they have in the room. Uh, and, and to have the help of other students in doing that is, is the only way forward. If, if oh, a teacher yeah. has to answer every question and... Uh, I mean, first of all, you, you couldn't know all the answers, but um, it, would, it would not be very efficient. You know, pick your, your top things that are most important for teachers and students to, to remember to be successful and, and then create a marketing campaign around that. And that's, that's sort of what the posters do, you know, having that in every classroom. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a reminder for teachers as well, because the, the ask three before me is just as hard for teachers as it is for students, right? When a student asks a question, you're in, I think your initial reaction as a teacher is to answer it. Oh, yeah. And, and often when it comes to technology, especially if I am not there to answer it, they figure it out within 30 seconds. It's, yeah. uh, it's the idea that they, they, they want to rely on you, despite the fact that they can probably figure it out themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And within the classrooms, like what about procedures to make things flow smoothly? Because I know the first time that I had a class set of laptops in my room, it was chaos. It was like, there's, there's no nice way of putting it. It was one of those, I was kind of standing there looking around going, oh my God, something's going to get broken really soon. So what kind of advice could you give for that for for procedural type things you know i really think it depends on what the situation is in terms of the technology and it's different everywhere so for us students carried their device they had their own device they carried it from classroom to classroom and so a lot of the procedural stuff we had um we had a bag designed patrick tell me who designed it i forgot xs project uh, in Jakarta, um, they're a nonprofit organization that works with trash pickers in Jakarta, uh, and and so we we had these uh, laptop cases uh, made from recycled material. That and, oh. and of course, purchasing these was helping the trash pickers' children to be able to go to school. Right. Yeah. Very so, good idea. Yeah. So we had these great laptop cases that were made how we wanted them to be made with you know that could be zip up. And also, when you open it, the case stays on the laptop. 
And so the rule was when you leave or when you get up or anytime you're moving that laptop, you close it and you zip it up. And so part of that was was set up at the beginning of the school year in terms of the, the expectation of how you move around the school with your laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that others in other classrooms, you know, the devices are in a cart and the teacher has to manage that. And that, I, I don't know what your situation was, but I've seen that and that can be very chaotic. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, I, I just, I got, I've gotten lots of ideas from teachers that have that situation from things like, you know, you have one, a student each week that's in charge of that and, and making sure that they get plugged in the right way and entered the right way. And, they almost do a better job than the teacher can because the teacher's usually doing a million things at the end of the class, you know, Yes. when students are putting their laptops away. Um, and so I've, I've heard lots of different strategies. I think it's, it's finding what works in your situation. And mm-hmm. I think that's based on the age of your students. I think that's based on, you know, where are the devices stored? Is it in a cart? Is it, you know, is there a something built into your classroom? How do they plug in? Um, yeah. All of those and- kinds of things. Certainly, I learned that, you know, doing it because I'm in a cart situation. So it was that whole thing of like, no, it cannot just be a free for all. There has to be a method. And so all of my students actually have numbers and the laptops are all numbered. So one of the first things I did was you take the laptop, which matches to your class number. Um, So, you know, number one student in the class takes number one laptop. That tended to, that cut down on a few of the fights about that was my laptop. I got it first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also meant that when I was asking people to clean up, I could basically say, okay, numbers one through five, go put away your right. laptops. And I uh, think being the, the important piece there is that you are intentional about thinking about these processes um, that are going to need to go smoothly uh, and efficiently so that you have more time for learning. And then giving opportunities to practice over and over again. Because what's happening in your room is very possibly unique to your room. And then students are going to move to eight other rooms in the day. And um, it, it, we, we often think that our rules as teachers, our little classroom setups, are really simple. Mm-hmm. But we, we forget that students are bombarded with all sorts of different setups in their day. And... Uh, so we need to practice them and we need to remind and we need to be, uh, we need to give grace when students forget or step outside of how it works. And, um, because in a way it's a bit inauthentic to pull out a laptop from a laptop cart and then go to your seat and then do something for 60 minutes and then go put it away. And, you know, like, cause they also have this kind of technology in their pocket and their in their phone and, and it doesn't require any of that kind of management of 30 people doing it all at the same time and so just something yeah. for us to keep in mind that we need to practice uh and we need to kind of just keep reminding that's all we have time for today uh please continue on listening for part three of this fantastic interview <laughs>